live in three, two, one. Hello and welcome everyone to the No Outlet Podcast special fantasy football edition, your favorite fantasy football podcast, three and out. We're doing it again this week. And let me tell you, I, I know I say this every week, but this week I really am super excited. It's a very special show. We actually have a sponsor uh, and we have a special guest. The sponsor for the first time, it's a big deal, I know. And the whole studio audience is looking at me like, who's sponsoring this stupid show? There is a brand of uh, lollipops from Mexico, or Mexico, as they say. And the brand is called El Chupacabra Loco. And they have this certain particular lollipop that's flavored pineapple. And they are sponsoring our show tonight. And I'm very excited about that. So please go out and wherever possible... Purchase El Chupacabra Loco Pineapple Lollipops, a proud sponsor of the 3 and Out podcast. And on top of that, as if that were not enough excitement, I also am very, very glad to have a special guest host coming to you all the way from the Razorback State. That's right. Live from Arkansas, it's the world-renowned fantasy football expert. Please welcome to the show, The Jerk. Hey, hey, everybody. Oh, you should, the jerk, they're going crazy wow. for you here. Oh, yeah, it's it's quite something. So here we are. It's three and out. You know the format, jerk. You're a big listener. Uh, I always let the guest host go first. That's you. So what is your first take, jerk? Sure. Uh, and let me first say, if I could, uh, a little plug for the brand, El Chupacabra Loco. Please. Remember. El Chupacabra Loco es bueno, si es muy bueno. You know what? Thank you, because that was on my copy here from the manufacturer, and I totally spaced it, so you just saved it. Got to remember. I appreciate that, yes. Well, you know, um, so one of my things I've always uh, talked about with people is uh, keepers, keeper league slash dynasty league versus a redraft every year, redrafting. and I have a I have a take on that. I really like the dynasty format or the keeper format. Yep. Um, been around in a league uh, since 1999. And my God, I I look back and uh, I remember the first draft, and it was uh, you know names pulled out of a hat right. for who gets the number one overall pick, and um, the number one overall pick that kind of put a date to it was Kurt Warner. If you guys remember him, <laughs> the greatest show on turf. Yeah, and it was obviously he was, they were a great team back then, yeah. but you know that just seems so long ago. Uh, and I really like the keeper slash dynasty format versus uh, a redraft every year, especially if if you're with the same group of people, yep. your team builds an identity. And I really feel that's always been one of the things that I've enjoyed most is uh, building an identity. Now, an identity could mean a couple things. An identity could be the player, it could mean a style and uh, philosophy and you know I think it's actually a combination of both and that's how I've always deemed it as a style and a philosophy and that's how I've always drafted yeah so it's very interesting you bring this topic up I think I love it because I as well have been in a league since about 19 I think it was actually 2000 that we started or maybe 2001 it's been about 20 years and we took last year off and it's been a keeper league the entire time uh, and we wow. took last year off for COVID. And when we got back into it this year, we kind of collectively, some people were for it, some people were not for it. 
But we collectively said, you know what? Let's blow it all up. Let's throw all the keepers back into the pool and let's start fresh. Now, we're going to be a keeper league again, but we started with the redraft. And I'm with you. I prefer keeper uh, keeper leagues for uh, many reasons. All the ones you mentioned, plus it gives a whole other angle of how you can do trades. You can start trading. I'll trade you my third pick next year. We We had some general managers that had traded out picks for like three years. Um, wow. Oh, that's great. And, you know, it's like a number one draft pick makes a difference. Now, it doesn't mean as much if you're automatically keeping three players because the first player picked is essentially number, you know, whatever, how many teams are in the league, 37, whatever. So it means a little bit less, but it adds a whole new complexity to the game. And I think uh, it's a perfect segue into uh, into my first topic, and they kind of go hand in hand. And that is if there's a, a if there's anybody out there, and by the way, if there's somebody in my studio audience, I'm going to apologize right up front. Don't get mad at me. Anyone listening at home, don't take this personally. But if you're playing in a fantasy football league and either you or anyone else in the league use the auto-draft function of the mm. portal, you are not playing fantasy football. You're just not. You might as well get a jigsaw puzzle and sit down with a bottle of you know barefoot Chardonnay and... And, and just go for that as well, because th- that's not fantasy football at all. And I wanted to get your take, Jerk, because and – and it goes hand-in-hand hand with your first point, because, yes, drafts matter, but drafts only matter for the day. Um, and so, yeah. so I want to get your take on that. So uh, totally agree, because – and I don't even know how auto-draft works. I, I don't know if the system picks – like the best point total available. So does that mean in theory you could get like four quarterbacks in a row? Because in cumulative total, a Good quarterback question. does very well. So I don't even want to cross that bridge, but I'll tell you this. Um, you miss those gems. Like I've been burned before on a number one pick. Now, again, if you're in a keeper league, your number one pick is in theory the fourth round, right? Yep. Um, if you have a three-keeper league. But uh, I remember... Uh, this was a couple of years ago. Yep. Uh, this is no exaggeration. The last pick I made, literally, the last pick I made was Lamar Jackson. Yes. And it was the, yeah, and it was the season that he exploded onto the scene. And, um, you know, as they say, the rest is history. But uh, who, who would have known? You know, if you were on cruise control at that point, now that's an extreme example. I got that. But um, it's an example, and it was accurate, and it's truthful. Yeah. And uh, a couple of years prior to that, this is a while back, Curtis Martin in the 13th round. These are just I just remember these things, and I'm like, you can't go on cruise control. Now, on the flip side, I've been burned on my quote-unquote number one pick. Oh, uh, I, I, I've been burned. I, don't, I can't tell you how many years as a guy, Julio Jones. Uh, you know. Jesus. Uh, I've been burned by him in the past. Uh, I didn't, you know, you draft him so high because of his name. And then all of a sudden he's come down. He's come down recently, at least with this uh, fantasy hamstring. And I don't think he's played many games in the past couple of years because of that. But yeah, you can't go on auto draft in my opinion, because of the potential hidden gems that you might get another guy. I remember this is a long time ago. His last pick of the draft was Priest Holmes. Yep. And Priest Holmes came out of nowhere. Uh, and if he was on auto draft at that time, God knows who he would have got. You know, so it's just um, you always got to be involved. 
And uh, if you do go on auto draft, it's uh, probably not best for you to be in the league. Yep. No, you, you, and, and first of all, you've said so many interesting things there. I want to break a couple of them down. So number one, I hate having the number one pick, especially if you're in a snake draft because you're in ten a 10-person league and you pick number one, you're not picking again until 20 <laughs> or 21, right? Yeah, I know. It's yeah, bullshit. that's tough. And, and, and all yeah. that talent's gone. And if you were in the draft this year, you almost had to pick CMC. You almost had to. Like if you were in a draft and you didn't choose him number one, everyone would be like, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? Meanwhile – he really hasn't been on the field that much, and he's taking up a roster spot. So I'm with you. The number one pick's kind of cursed. I'll give you one more example similar to the Lamar Jackson. There's a guy in our league who's been on this show, Jason Bateman. I'm pretty sure it was him. He picked up Pat Mahomes uh, after so, – so somebody drafted him at the end. He had him. He dropped him, and then somebody <laughs> picked him up. And this is before he went off that year. I think it was maybe three or four years ago, four years ago. And so you got to be paying attention. If you, and you can't pay attention if you're letting a, an AI bot uh, pick for you. And one more note on drafts, keeper leagues, et cetera. There's a good friend of ours. His name is Farthammer. And um, mm. I, I love talking about this because I think it's one of the most intriguing stories. Uh, and he still has an asterisk next to his name for winning a championship in 2004. 2004, I was in two leagues. It was one too many. I backed away from one. I actually, I think I then played for the one that you're still in. And yeah. I knew I was leaving the league. He knew I was leaving the league. I had LaDainian Tomlinson. He wanted LaDainian Tomlinson. I traded him for a pick. He knew I wasn't going to have to use that pick because I left the league. So he basically just took LaDainian Tomlinson, who at the time was lights out. He was like the number one player for three years. And he won in 2004 because of that. So lots can definitely happen. an asterisk. Yeah, definitely. very shady. <laughs> That's right. That's very right. shady. Very shady. But hey, you know what? It counts. It's in the books, and there was no rule for it back then. So it is a yeah. championship. It's collusion. It's collusion, but that's fine. Collusion's not an illusion in this case. All right, uh, <laughs> jerk. You are up. What is your second take? Okay, so a lot of people have different drafting philosophies, and I'm a big fan of. When done right, a quarterback slash wide receiver combo pick. Double points. And, yeah, I, I love it. You can get burned by it. I got it. But you can also really win by it. Now, historically, um, you see a lot of people doing it. And I'm only going to recommend doing this when you've got an A-list quarterback. Yep. And that quarterback has a go-to A-list receiver. An example, again, kind of old school, but still holds the fact, Peyton Manning to Marvin Harrison. Okay? Oh, my God. You know, that's going to happen every game all day. Okay? Um, that's just an example. So I'm a huge believer of that. If it's possible, and you try to even trade for it if it's possible, but uh, the the key to the whole thing is it has to be an A-list quarterback, and it has to be an A-list receiver. Now, Tom Brady, best-in-class receiver, but he spreads it out too much, right? Now, that one year with Randy Moss might be an exception, right? right. But um, when, you know, he's got people, I don't even know who his receivers are sometimes for the for when he played for the Patriots. I couldn't tell you their top two receivers. Right. The dude just, he, he just spread it out so much. But you know what? That was great. So you can't do it with that. Um, Tariq Hill and Pat, uh, Patrick uh, Mahomes, 
a perfect example of that. Yep. Um, uh, Devontae Adams and um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his Rogers. name for the <laughs> yeah, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. And then again, another example of a good match to have. Uh, so that's another uh, really a belief of mine. And when possible, I try to do it. I love it. Uh, live by the double points, die by the double points. So I'm going to give you one more. So going way back to when uh, the Gunther Football League was still in the single digits, there was a guy who had Dante Culpepper and a oh, yeah. very young Randy Moss. And that was when Culpepper was throwing to Moss like three touchdowns a game, four touchdowns a game. And I think he won that year. They were the Purple People Eaters was the guy's name. He even named his team after the two players. You remember that? Oh, I, I, uh, that's kind of what uh, dipped my toe in the water on that whole philosophy. And as you just said, that was literally, and I think it might have been one of the first years, so maybe as back as 20 years ago. Yeah. And I really, I really saw the benefit of it, and I really, really liked it. Now, again, you can live and die by it. On a bye week, you're going to get kind of screwed. But for the most part, if you've got the A-list quarterback and that A-list receiver, odds are over the course of a season, you're going to win out. Yeah. On on those games. No, that's right. And I'm going to give you an example of, because you keep really hammering home, and it's so important, A-list quarterback, top flight receiver. That can't be said enough, because here's an example of not that situation. So I was kind of hurting for a receiver. Uh, so I went to the waiver wire last week, and I picked up uh, one Amon Ra St. Brown, um, who Ooh. is... <laughs> Who is the number one? He's the number one target for for maybe the most degrading quarterback in the NFL, Jared Goff, on probably the worst team in the NFL, the Detroit Lions. Uh, and I'm like, okay, well, it's all about volume. Fantasy football is volume. This guy is going to get looks. He's going to get targets. The problem is, is that if you've got a quarterback who is literally just falling apart in front of the nation's eyes, who cannot throw past ten yards anymore, can't make decisions. He just is losing his marbles. It doesn't matter if it's his number one target because it's still going to suck on paper, which is exactly what happened. So double points. Crap is crap. Crap is crap. You got to have an A plus an A equals double points. I love it. Great, yep. great call. Okay, on to my second take. So there are a never-ending supply of people that are willing to criticize players. Like we were just like, I said, now, now granted, there's, many, there's literally a very finite number of human beings that can play National League football caliber football, okay? There's, uh, what, 32 teams. Every team's got a roster of 50 or whatever it is. There's only so yep. many humans that can do it. Then on top of that, the people that start at a skilled position like wide receiver. So let's talk about Amon Ra St. Brown. We laugh at him, and you're like, "Ugh, right?" But he is an actually a good athlete. But here's what here's where I'm going. Um, I think that all of these people that anybody, me, you, people on TV, people on YouTube, if you're going to criticize an NFL player because they're not putting up good fantasy points, you should have to be able to say it right to their face. And I think that I think that the tenor of the criticism might change. And I'm going to point to one. Uh, one example of, of a real one. So uh, Jim Rome, I'm not sure if you remember this, but there was a quarterback in the NFL. His name was Jim Everett, and he played for the Rams, and he looked the part, 6'5", good-looking, blonde hair, you know, but he really never put it all together. He more looked the part than he could play the part, 
and he was yep. kind of known for being soft and kind of, you know, squishy. And Jim Rome, at the time, he was making a name for himself, being outrageous, being in your face. I'm going to say shit that pisses you off. And he had a sit-down interview with Jim Everett, and he called, and he called him Chris Everett. because no, Chris, like a tennis player? A female tennis player. <laughs> and he goes, oh. and Jim Everett goes, you know, Jim, uh, I came on the show out of respect. Uh, I thought we were going to have a good conversation, but uh, that's disrespectful. And if you call me that again, you're going to have a problem. And Jim Rome <laughs> looks him square. And Jim Rome's not a big guy, and this guy was a beast. And he looked him square in the eye. He goes, whatever you say, Chris and the fucking dude lurched across the table, and they got into an all-out fight. It ended oh, wow. because it got pulled apart. But I, but I feel like there's a lot of armchair, keyboard-type critics, including myself, who scoff at the name Amon Ross St. Brown. Meanwhile, that guy could run circles around any of us at our peak prime as humans. And that goes for every other person in a skilled position uh, on an NFL roster. So I ask you, Jerk, yep. what is your position on middle-aged, kind of doughy, not so quick, definitely out of shape white guys like us giving top-level athletes the, oh, my God, it's terrible, when he's really not terrible. They're still NFL athletes. Yeah, I've, I've said it. Um, I just said it uh, minutes ago about that individual that you had to take because of a buy or, or injuries to your roster. So I, I can't agree more with regards to uh, the disrespect that uh, is given, you know, but, um, and it's not warranted to your point. I was watching that game last night, uh, the Buffalo Bills versus the Tennessee Titans. And they had a little excerpt of um, like a, almost a commercial break uh, during a timeout or something of a, a workout that Derrick Henry does. Oh, Derrick Henry is, I don't know if you watched it, 6'3", 240 pounds. This dude was pulling like a 18-wheeler up a hill. And um, and stuff like that. And then on his, he ran a seventy-eight yard touchdown last night. They clocked him. Oh my god, he was he flying. Twenty-one point three miles an hour. He looked that's like the a video speed game. limit in. That's the speed limit in my neighborhood. He would have get caught for speeding. The speed limit in my neighborhood <laughs> is twenty miles an hour. So the dude running down the road would have got pulled over by the cops and given a ticket. Sorry, Mr. Henry, you've been speeding in the neighborhood. So uh, now he is obviously a superstar athlete, but you're totally right on. These guys, because um, you, you, you see it, the best athletes in college, they make, to the, they make the leap to the, uh, to the pros, and some of them are washed out within the preseason, right? Not even the, a oh, year yeah. or two. Sometimes they're washed out in the preseason because yeah. the, speed, the speed, the talent, the skill set, the mindset is next level. And sometimes that last one is very important, the mindset. Uh, I may not be the best athlete, uh, but I've got some talent, and I'm dedicated, and I'm going to work at my craft and the whole nine yards. And some guys just don't have it. But I would uh, venture to say, if I had to say to a person's face yep. what I would, you know, what I just said, uh, I wouldn't do it. I'd have to back down. <laughs> Wouldn't do it. Well, Couldn't it. do it. And you know what? So would everybody else except for Jim Rome. Um, but I want to go back to the Derrick Henry touchdown because I was watching it last night. And Jesus Christ, it looked like somebody had, had edited video to want to make him speed up. It was like, and the guys that were chasing him weren't linemen. The guys that were chasing were fucking safeties and corners. And he was leaving them in the dust. And he's twice their size. I mean, he is 
a specimen unlike any other. He's the one guy I wish I had on my team that I don't. He really is special. 6'3", 240, and they clocked him at 21.3 miles an hour. And he's just durable I, as shit. He, he doesn't get hurt. He just keeps going and going. And he, you know what? It took him a couple years to get to this point. It took him, what, three, four years till he finally had that breakout year? I mean, it wasn't like he wasn't like an Ezekiel Elliott came in first year and he was hit the ground running as a bell cow and he's putting up huge numbers. He, he struggled the first couple of years. It was, uh, so he, uh, full transparency, he is a keeper of mine and has been for the last couple of years. Nice work. Uh, uh, yeah, total, total beast, beast mode. Got me four as a running back, got me 40 points last night. I mean, just insanity. I believe the coach prior to, um, the current coach, uh, Mike Vrabel, uh, was kind of a train wreck. It might have been Jeff Fisher, yep. uh, and um, or around that. And I don't think they bought into the whole philosophy. Like they were, they were showing some things last night of the, the gifts that Derrick Henry had bought his offensive line for like the past three Christmases. Yeah, and remember those old commercials with Dan Marino? He'd always have his offensive line, and he'd buy him like a Rolex or something like that. Oh yeah, remember Dan, Dan Marino? He was like during an Isotoner commercial. He had those gloves and stuff. <laughs> Uh, you may not remember that, but I, I always I totally remember that. Absolutely. So okay. cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. But he always had his offensive line with him and he gave him like a Rolex. Well, Derrick Henry for like the last three years has done kind of the same thing. Some sort of a jewelry type thing for his offensive line. Yeah. And, uh, I love to hear that stuff because those dudes are just, um, lights out monsters and they're just making holes for Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry runs through the holes. So the more the offensive linemen don't like to pass block, this is from what I hear. Yep. They like to run block because they're basically just pushing people. Right. And when you get the beast behind you and you're opening holes and stuff like that, how cool is that? But I, I just love that kind of stuff that, you know, the whole relationship of the offensive line and um, running back thing. I think that's really cool. Daddy needs a Rolex, man. It is cool. And just one quick note on, on Vrabel. Obviously, ex-Patriot, um, great player. Yep. I, yep. I think he is – he might be my favorite coach, and I'm not a Titans fan at all, but he might be my favorite coach because he's not afraid to pull some shit. Like last night, I don't know if you saw it, but on a kickoff return, yeah. they tried to throw it, and unfortunately it was a yeah. forward pass, so it came back. But it was only a forward pass by four or five yards. But he's not afraid to pull you know, fake punts, go for it on fourth. I love those kind of coaches that are like, let's try something different. Let's pull a trick play out. Let's go for it on fourth all the time. I, I just think that those kind of coaches make the league a funner league to watch. He had to last night because, um, again, full transparency, Josh Allen is my keeper quarterback. Yep. And he is lights out. And there was no way, even though Derrick Henry's the best in the business, there was no way that they were going to keep um, points down against that Buffalo offense. No. So he knew he had to pull out all the stops. Yep. And, no. um, yeah. Good so point. I think hey, that was the – Go ahead. No, I think that was the right call. you got to pull out all the stops and try to do something. Yeah. Um, so wait a minute. So you've got Josh Allen. You've got Derrick Henry. Who's your number one wide receiver? Uh, well, I got – I guess um, in terms of production so far this year, it would be Justin Jefferson from the Vikings. Okay. So wait a minute. So what's your yeah. record right now? Going in the weeks up. I am I am four and two, um, and in terms of points, I am uh, in first place in total points by over 
150 points. Oh, Jesus Christ, dude. My team, my team is killing it. I've had a couple, you know, I just happened to play a couple of teams that if I scored 160, they scored 175. One of those type weeks. Yep, yep. But, um, yeah, Justin Jefferson, um, Jamar Chase, and um, Marquise Brown are kind of my one, two, and three receivers, and they're having really good years. Jonathan Taylor was my third keeper, by the way, the guy for the Colts. Yep, yep. And um, the only thing keeping Jonathan Taylor down is that frigging coach, Frank Reich. I don't understand him. Yeah. He he is one of the better running backs in the league. And in a huge game last week, he got 14 carries. Now, he had 150 yards out of those 14 carries, but he got 14 carries. And I, I don't understand that coach at all. Yeah, I mean, um, the only thing I can think is he's, he must be thinking, you know, trying to preserve because it's like there have been situations where backs get beat up and – they don't last the year because they're getting, you know, too many carries. But look, if you got the talent in the field right then, you got to use it, right? I think what are they now, two and three or something like that? So it's like you got to if you got a talent, run the fucking ball, give him the ball. Derek Derek Henry is a perfect example. I don't I, I love uh, Derek Henry. I don't want him to get hurt. Obviously, Vrabel runs the guy 30, 30 carries a game. Yeah. He just he just does it right? Well, this is his prime, um, man. He's in the prime of his life. He's running 21 miles an hour at his size. It's like, if you don't give him the ball, you know, 20 times a game, it's like you're making a mistake. I love your receivers is. and I love your receivers because they're not their production. They're, they're not flashy names. Like they're all names that people recognize, but those aren't the, those aren't the top flight. Like I would much rather have your team than like an Adam Thielen, you know, that probably went higher in the draft than some of those guys and some of the other wideouts. I, I love those no na- not no name receivers, but like under the radar receivers, but they put up points because they get volume. Yeah, this past year it really killed me. The the downside to building a good team is you have to give back into the draft those that you don't keep. Yep. And this past year I had to give back Stephon Diggs, which oh. I really didn't want. Yeah, yeah. And two years ago I had to give back Travis Kelsey. When I say had to give back, it's my choice. But my other talent was perceived to be so much better that I kept the other guys. But, yeah, Stephon Diggs I had to give back this year. Um, And uh, the prior year I had to give back uh, Travis Kelsey. So that's the downside because, you know what, what kills you is when that next year, the dude that had the worst record in the league and now has the number one pick, he drafts the guy that you gave away. You know what I mean? Yep. And I hate that because – you probably drafted him and, and kept him on the team for a while, but then just came a point where you had to make a choice. And this other dude just swoops in. Yeah, I'll take him. You know? And we've got a guy in our league, I swear to God, I think he's had the number one overall pick since 1999. And <laughs> he just can't do it. Every year, his team sucks. And it's just like, oh, who's got the number one draft again this year? Oh, I wonder who that is. He can't, he can't do it. <laughs> Every year he's got the number one draft pick. And I'm just like, oh, dude, God. you should be able to figure this out by now. <laughs> or at least, at least if you look, if you're not going to win or end up in first place, at least middle of the pack, right? Like, you know, put, never. put yourself it, in like never. fourth or fifth. Oh, my never. God. That number is one riot. pick every year. I love it. All right. So we are on to the third and final take from our friend, the jerk. Jerk, what do you got? Okay. This one's kind of lighthearted, but it might create some thought for your audience. I'm ready. Um, so uh, rooting for teams. I grew up in New Hampshire. 
And uh, believe it or not, I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler fan. Always have uh, been. Always have been from yep. day one. Got a got a sweatshirt for Christmas in 1975. My mom knew nothing about sports. Here's your sweatshirt for Christmas. Oh, the Steelers. I'll follow these guys. Have ever since. Yep. And we've had some ups and downs. But rooting for teams is kind of where I'm going. So rooting for teams has always been a passion for me. So my question is to the audience is, is fantasy football, especially with the younger generation like my son and stuff, are they no longer following teams? Are they following players? Oh. And, be, and because of that, is that a good thing? And I have, a, I have a, an opinion. Obviously, these football stadiums are still selling out 60,000, 70,000 people every week, and that's yeah. great. Yeah. But I talk to a lot of the younger ones. And, uh, oh, who's your favorite team? Oh, man, I kind of like so-and-so. Yeah. That's their first response. It's not, well, immediately, oh, I like the Bengals. Or, no, it's like, oh, I kind of like da-da-da, a guy's name. So I, I hear that all the time. And it's like, well, I didn't ask you that. I said, who do you follow? And, you know, they don't necessarily, oh, well, I guess because I live around here, I kind of follow the uh. And I'm just like, well, I, I see that happening. And, and I, I don't have an opinion necessarily either way. But I know how passionate I am about the Steelers. And, you know, I go through ups and downs with regards to my, you know, if, I gotta, if I'm doing soccer trips and stuff like that, sometimes you're so busy you can't focus on your team. But I've always been a Steeler fan. Yep. And, um, you know, when the Patriots aren't playing the Steelers, that's who I default to next. Because, again, that's kind of what I grew up with, um, Red Sox and things like that. But uh, I don't see that as much anymore. And I'm wondering if fantasy football has had an effect on that. You know, I love that take. I fucking love it. And there's a lot of reasons why, but number one, uh, case in point, first of all, I think you're hundred percent right. And case in point, and it's not just the younger generation. So Tom Brady, right? Yep. Without question, one of the greatest quarterbacks, if not the greatest quarterback of all time, you know, six Super Bowls, blah, blah, blah. I could go on and on. And he was, he did all of that except for last year with, the Bucks, excuse me, with the Pats, and now he's with the Bucks. But there are a legion, and I'm talking in my office, half the people, everyone I talk to, that have just all of a sudden decided that they're Tom Brady fans and they're no longer <laughs> Pats fans. It's fucking nauseating. And, and, and first of all, it shows how plastic most Pats fans really are because if you're a Pats fan and you're a Pats fan, whether it's fucking – Brady or Jones or fucking Jamie Hoyer or whoever it is playing quarterback, you're going to be a Pats fan. So for all of these people, I saw a dude with a goddamn Brady Tampa Bay Buccaneers jersey on and a Patriots hat. It's like, no, motherfucker, that's not the way it works. You pick a team. You do not root for a player. So I think it is younger. I think you're probably right, but I think that that, that whole evil is like permeating into people that are even our age. And it's sad. And I also want to point out, first of all, I love the fact, I fucking love the fact that your mom bought you a Steelers sweater and not a Patriots <laughs> sweater because there's one less Pats fan in the world. And I think that's so great. And I know why she did it. And I, God bless that woman. She did it because that's when it, they were basically, it was the Cowboys, 
It was the Steelers. It was the Giants. That's it. There was a couple of teams, and the Steelers were really good, and they were from the Northeast. The Patriots sucked back then. I mean, they fucking sucked. They had the they, department they, store didn't have any. They, <laughs> right, exactly. They, they had Steve Grogan in a neck brace. I mean, they were terrible back then. <laughs> so, and my mom doesn't know anything about sports, so she just saw the department store had this. Oh, that's what I'll buy. They've got to be good, and they were. And funny enough, <laughs> I'm a Raiders fan, uh, and and a long suffering Raiders fan. Last time that we were any good was 2002 but we were really good at first and i got a jacket when i was five years old from my dad raiders jacket not even really sure why he got it for me but ever since then i'm like that's my team and i've been awesome and i've been a fucking raiders fan ever god and i've got the jacket up in my closet but the cool thing is from the time i got that jacket to 1984 they won three super bowls they were always fucking good and then it's been a long slow slide into the last eruption of, uh, you know, being completely embarrassed with the John. Did he ever tell you why? Did he ever tell you why he bought that jacket? Like, I have a story behind it. Did did your dad ever tell you? You know what? Um, I've probably asked him three or four times, and I think he's probably given me a couple different answers. I think the reality is that uh, they had just gone to the Super Bowl and lost to uh, the Packers, I think, in Super Bowl II or something like that. And, okay. uh, and so yep. he was just like, okay, well, this is an underdog team. And, you know, look, you can say what you want about Mark Davis, but Al Davis was a true maverick in the NFL. He was a game oh, changer. Sure. He looked like a fucking outlaw. He dressed like one. He was changing yeah. the rules. And I think my dad liked that outlaw element of the team. Um, and he bought me the jacket. And like I said, it just stuck. And, I, you know, you mentioned a player, because uh, I know you have your point, but uh, I, I hate the Cowboys. So much. Oh. I've ne- I've never had a cowboy on any of my teams. If Ezekiel Elliott was available to me, I'd trade him. Uh, you know how you were saying earlier you could trade for draft picks and stuff like that. <laughs> yep. If if he's available to me, I would I would reach around the room, whoever's around, say hey, who who wants to trade this next. I wouldn't do it. I just I hate the cowboys. And the thing that thinks for me living down here, oh uh, the next. We have a few markets around us. So Kansas City is our first default market. And then we get some Tennessee, maybe some New Orleans. But for the most part, my 3.30 game every friggin' Sunday is whoever the Cowboys are playing. And I I tell you, it's nauseating. Nauseating. I can't stand them. I hate them. Won't have them on my team. Won't do it. I'm with you, and it, and not only do I hate them, but I hate the way that the announcers treat that team. It's like, guys, oh! it's not Danny White or Roger Staubach anymore. They're not America's team. Get over it. And it's so funny. It's almost like you're reading my mind, Jerk, because on my pad of paper here, there are two more things I was going to talk about, one or the other. I'm going to do this as a quick one and then go to my final thing. But one of them is teams to avoid, and I have an, an anti-Jacksonville Jaguar policy for drafting and for, I never will ever have a Jag on my team, no matter what. I don't care. And like you said, you use an extreme example with Zeke, but I'm with you. It's like, there are just some teams and I don't necessarily dislike the Jag, but the Jags, but they just have this like air of inferiority. I know they used to be good when they had that coach back in the day, but they haven't been good for a long time. Now they got a guy that owns a football team over in the UK, a soccer yep. team. You know, we call it soccer. Everyone else calls it football. But it's like I don't want to have anybody from that organization on my team, so I totally get it with the Cowboys. Here's my last take, and it's more of a question and a statement. So we're going into week seven. We can take a look retrospectively. We can take a look at our draft. We can take a look at our keepers and 
We can take a look at, you know, what we did with the waiver wire. Sounds like you've done yourself, uh, set yourself up really nicely. You've got some stud players that are doing really well and not getting hurt, which is so important. But we've yeah. all made mistakes, right? And when I and I think I've done okay so far this year. Um, five and one. I have gotten lucky a couple of weeks. There's no doubt about it. Ooh. I probably should have lost. Wow. But um, and I'm okay. And I've got kind of, you know, it's kind of smoke and mirrors. My team has got some bubble gum and you know tape. I've got so for example, I won this week because of. Alex, don't call me Phil Collins from the Seahawks. Like, he was my running back. So it's a little bit kind of bullshit, and I'm going to fall apart eventually. I know that. But I I can point back and say, okay, I did a good job. I picked up Mike Williams on waivers, but I've made a really bad mistake, and I feel like it's going to come back to bite me in the ass. And my biggest mistake, and then I want to find out what yours was this year. Mm-hmm. So you have to be critical of yourself, jerk. I know that's hard for you to do. My biggest oh, mistake yeah. was – so Antonio Brown, I drafted him. I got him kind of at a value pick, too. And he's a little bit of an enigma, right? Like, he obviously is talented, but his best years are past, and he's got some problems off the field. He's a little bit of a head case. And then he gets COVID. And I I wake up in the morning on Wednesdays to go to the gym, and I always try to get some waiver stuff in early. And I see that he's, you know, got COVID. I'm like, oh, he's never gonna, he's never gonna be the same. His brain's gonna be fucked up. His lungs are gonna be fucked up. My, br- I start going in all these different directions, all stupid thoughts, all idiotic. Mm-hmm. And I drop him, and I pick up Tim motherfucking Patrick from the Broncos because I'm thinking, okay, no. well, Patrick's gonna get volume from Bridgewater. Dumbest mistake I've ever made. Um, the person that's picked him up, thankfully, hasn't used him right and had him on the bench a couple times. Uh, but I really wish I hadn't done that i if i could take one thing back it would be that so i'm asking you jerk what's the biggest mistake you've made this year and on your mistake my only comment to that would be uh i i wouldn't say it to his face as our earlier conversation was said but <laughs> teddy bridgewater teddy bridgewater is not going to bring home the trophy and whoever teddy bridgewater is throwing to just if your quarterback if your starting point's bad your ending point's bad no you're and right i don't think yeah, and I, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is the real deal. So that's on that. So my uh, so my uh, second pick, so still a lot of good talent left in the league. You know, with the draft just started, I picked up the dude, and and what I just said to you is exactly what I should have been saying to myself. I picked up Allen Robinson from the Chicago Bears, okay. and historically decent performer. But historically, he had quarterbacks throwing to him. This year, the poor guy, Justin Fields, oh. um, the, I think he's a rookie from Ohio State. Oh, yeah. If he's not a rookie, he's one or two years. Yep. Um, the poor guy, I mean, they have literally thrown him to the wolves. And um, I think he was sacked nine times in one game. Nine. Rough day. Um, Justin Fields. So anyway, I drafted Allen Robinson. And um, with my second pick, and I think the most he ever got me, and I had him in my starting lineup, of course, week one, he had like yeah. four catches for 32 yards or something insane like that. And I'm like, ah, okay. Er- everybody has a bad week from time to time, right? Yeah. Okay. Game two, uh, three catches for 48 yards. I'm like, oh, okay. Make a long story short, not only did I not to have the ability to trade this dude, I actually dropped it. Oh my, my god. second my second pick was dropped. 
So you talk about um, needing to make your draft work. If your second pick is not only a bust, but someone that you drop, you drop the ball on that one. So I killed myself on that one. And just to give you an idea, now I didn't need a quarterback, but these are the guys that were available right after that pick. Joe Mixon, Antonio Brown, Justin Herbert, Edward Hilaire, Aaron Rodgers, DeAndre Swift. Those were the next picks right after that one. Now, again, I didn't need a quarterback, so Herbert's kind of out. But still, Mixon, Antonio Brown, Edward Hilaire, um, and DeAndre Swift. And and I guess if you want to go one more pick down, Mike Evans. From from uh, any Tampa. Any of those people, if you had picked any of those players, they'd still be on your roster. They'd still be on my team. Yeah, there'd be not a question. They uh, looking at that list. That's pretty good, actually. Um, Edward Hilaire might be hurt now, but I think for the most part, they would have been for the first five or six games within my starting lineup, probably a good amount of time. So that just kind of I blew it. And again, what kills you is I dropped him. Didn't even get anything for the guy. Yeah. At least you know if I, if you still had him on your roster, you'll start him once in a while. No, he he's so bad, and so <laughs> unvaluable. I dropped the dude. He's poison. He's poison. And I don't know if anybody's picked him up. I got to be honest with you. I don't know if anybody has picked him up. Do you guys have eight and, teams in your league or ten? Uh, we have eight now. Yep. We had ten. We lost two. Yep. So eight. So you he might still be out there on waivers because if you guys are carrying what sixteen players, fifteen players, yes, yes. Um, so there's a pretty good chance with eight teams that he is sitting there. And that average, by the way, that I was telling you about game one, four catches for thirty two yards, it hasn't got any better. The poor quarterback just he doesn't have any time. And well, he has a terrible you know, head coach I, too. Nagy is is the worst. It, it's a train wreck there. Chicago is an absolute train wreck. So waste of a pick, uh, really can hurt you now i've been lucky that it hasn't killed me but if you blow your second pick it could kill you yeah no i'm with you and and let me tell you something what a great night you should see the studio audience they are standing they are applauding they're doing the wave they've got big huge flags that say the jerk rules and it's it's mayhem over here and you were a great addition to the program and i'd love to have you back on maybe in like, I don't know, four or five weeks from now, check in right before playoffs, see how things have panned out. See if you can take that four and two record, turn it into a, an eight and two or a nine and two record. So love to have you on again. Uh, everybody, please thank the jerk. They're all waving jerk. Thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Maybe we'll call it a holiday special the next time. I love it. A holiday special. We're going to, we'll have like that John, John Madden used to eat the fucking turkey every Thanksgiving. Remember that? He used to come out and he used to have six legs oh, yeah. on it and they'd all grab a leg. Yeah, yeah. Poor yep. John Madden. No, this was great. Uh, good, good talking. And uh, I love the podcast season. It's going, it's going really well. And um, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I, I, yeah, I am. Excellent. Say hi to everybody for me and uh, good luck this year. Hope you take it home. Everybody, the jerk. Thanks a lot. Have a great night. Bye now. Take care.